my name's Marie Peckett, and I'm 47. I have a husband and two children, both boys. They're ages three and six. I have colorectal cancer, and I noticed that people who have colon cancer say they have colon cancer, and people who have rectal cancer say they have colorectal cancer, just because rectal cancer is really hard to say. It presented itself as anemia, so that's like the first signal that I got. That showed up as being really, really tired, being short of breath, losing a lot of hair for no good reason. My primary care physician kept suggesting that I get different tests. Finally, when my anemia was bad enough, she insisted that I get a colonoscopy. So I went in for that. A few days later, the phone rang. Doctors calling like on a Friday night is not generally a good sign. You know, I answered the phone and he said, I just want to let you know the polyp was cancerous and the margin was very small, so we are recommending that you have surgery. I hung up and I could hear sort of like my husband putting the dinner dishes away downstairs and the kids playing. And then I thought, oh, I I guess I have to tell them. But I just kind of wanted to sit with the news for a minute, I think, before I wanted to say anything about it. With the kids there, there's an immediacy of like they need a bath, they need a bedtime story. And so real life kind of takes over. And there's this piece that's hovering. Something has shifted in your life. But you're still doing your day-to-day thing. The kids are still fighting or they're playing or doing whatever, and you have your role in that. And so you still need to do that. You still need to get food together and figure out who's driving which child where tomorrow. So those logistics, I think, help to keep some normalcy to life, too. Since then, I've had three surgeries. The most recent was the biggest. I had a full hysterectomy, a full rectal resection. If you know what that is, they take out your entire rectal area. And then they found other areas of tumor. So they took out all the tumor they could find. The news was that they didn't get all the tumor, so there was still some left. There's fluid that floats around in your abdomen, and there were cancer cells in that. So I knew that wasn't great news. So all of that I could handle. But the thing that I think was hard after that was when the doctors said, you know, the best thing we have to offer you is chemotherapy and it will probably be for the rest of your life. That was a really big adjustment for me because I thought I can do anything for a finite period of time, but to think about doing chemo for the rest of your life is kind of unappealing. But then also chemo for the rest of your life doesn't mean 20 years because like nobody's on chemo for 20 years that I know of. Even though people said hopeful things like, oh, I know somebody who was given six months to live and five years later he's off chemo and he's doing well, it still was kind of a downer. When I'm in a time of feeling despair, I try to say, you know, things could be worse. You're still here. If you only have another day to live, why would you spend it being depressed? And that's all fine, but that doesn't actually shift how you feel. I think the most difficult thing for me is when I think about things with my kids. So either thinking about what things will be like for them and could there be something I could help with when they're older that I wouldn't be around for. It's also been difficult for me to think, wow, this might be all there is. Like that's, that's been hard. Like I went to the museum on Saturday and I saw this little boy who was like 18 months old and walking. And I instantly remembered my older son because he had that same gait. And then I thought, 
wow, that might be what I have. And that was so weird to think that the memories that I have of them might be just in this small period of time. My older one will ask a lot about death because he knows that people die from cancer and he's known people who've died from cancer. He's known parents who've died from cancer. A lot of the books will say to not talk about that until death is very clear. But for him, you know, it's something in his life. The other day he was sort of sitting on the toilet, talking away, and then he said, I don't want you to die. So I said, oh, you know, I don't want to die either. And he said, well, everybody dies someday. And so I thought, okay, good. We're just having like a general death discussion. This isn't a personal thing. And then he said, but you have cancer. And I said, that's true, I do. And he said, and people die from cancer. And he said, well, they do, but I don't expect to die anytime soon. And he said, well, some people die very quickly from cancer. And I said, well, that's true. And and I said, but you'll know, and it'll be okay. And he said, it won't be okay. I'll be really, really sad if you die, and my heart will be broken. I can talk about it calmly right now, but those conversations are really, really hard. I started doing this crazy, like, okay, every time I feel good, we have to take a trip. We have to do something big. And I think that's overwhelming the boys a little bit. So I need to slow down on that. The other day, one of them said, you know, we drove a really long way and this wasn't very fun for one of the events that we went to. And I thought, you know, I really need to let them just ride their bikes and just have normal days at home. Having a connection to a bigger picture sustains me because I feel like There have been enough serendipities through this path, enough help that's come at the right time and the perfect time that I feel like there's something bigger going on and I don't understand it. And I hope I'm doing my part, whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing to like stay on that path. That really sustains me. Before this, I wouldn't have said I was a particularly religious person. I was raised a Catholic, so I like the rituals of the Catholic church, but it was sort of on again and off again. It's become easier and easier for me to pray about things and then just like put it in somebody else's hands. Like, so put it in God's hands and say, you know what, I can't take care of this. You're just going to have to worry about it. And then I'm just going to trust that you're going to do whatever the right thing is. Something I'd like to share with other people who might have my condition is that that you can trust what's inside yourself. So you can trust like, is this a good doctor for you? Is this a good thing for you to be eating? Is this a good thing for you to be doing right now? And I think that's important, just like in the day-to-day to be able to listen to what the right thing is for you to do. And the other thing is that I think is really big is that there's always today. You woke up this morning, and there are a lot of people who didn't wake up this morning, but you got to wake up this morning. And something could always be worse. You could, I mean, there have been times after surgery where I could not get a drink of water for myself. And the fact that I could get up and go to the sink and get a drink of water, that's huge because I couldn't do that before. And there might be a time when I can't do that again. And so it's nice that I could do that. 